Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 277th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian M. Hauser. You can find me on Twitter or X or whatever you call it, at Hawk Blogger. And man, uh, I feel like a little bit. I don't know what's the word, guys. I, I feel like um, I've been deprived, I guess, of Seahawks football for a week. And I haven't felt that way, I don't think, for a while when the Seahawks have gone on by. But it was tough a little bit to go from such a eventful Monday night football victory and a lot of big, big stories coming out of that. And then having to wait two weeks, two weeks to play again. But here we are. We're back to a game week for the Seahawks. Seahawks play, play the Bengals this weekend. There's a fair amount to go over. And we have a full crew tonight. Uh, you will see the fourth member of our crew momentarily. But uh, until he arrives, let's introduce the rest of the fellas. Uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 is here. And Nathan, we just learned something new about you tonight. You're a late eater. Like, is this something you, you generally eat like after seven every night? Mm-hmm. Is this something you picked up like as a kid? Like that's how your family when they ate or did it like, you know, did you pick it up somewhere along the way? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just kind of always been that way. Um, I do have some family that will eat like a lot later, like uh, like sometimes they eat at like nine or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like I've never had the context of this being especially weird. But uh, yeah, I mean. I'm usually racing against the clock to get dinner done before I have to put the kids down. So uh, fairly late, I guess. Everyone on the on the uh, in the audience always loves it when we spend time talking about things like when people eat dinner on this show. So you know, I, I personally am very curious, and I appreciate you showing a little bit of uh, behind the scenes, Nathan Ernst. And it does explain. You mentioned being a little hangry coming into the show. That does explain some of the takes we've heard from you over the years. So um, I feel like that that's might awesome. typically be more wine induced than hangry induced. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sound off in the comments. Let us know when you eat dinner. I'm very curious now. <laughs> yes, yes. Please tell us. Uh, next, uh, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. Evan, you were traveling for a while, like everywhere. Are you like? You like 
stationary for a little bit now. You got more travel coming up. You're going to come see Seahawks play in certain places. What's going on with you, dude? I am back in Phoenix for a little bit. Um, but I am back on the road to Atlanta next week, but for work. Um, so domestically, I'm going to be around for a little bit uh, for the next couple of months. But um, opposite of Nathan, my belly is very full right now. So I'm going to be sulking and sighing a little bit because I'm in a food coma right now. What what happened? What did you eat here? So there's a really good food truck uh, in Phoenix called Rand Dizzles. It's like a pretty famous brand. And it's one of those places where like if he posts up in your neighborhood, he will um, have a line of like 100 people uh, before they even open like an hour before. So I got in line super early. I got two doubles from him. So four patties and I'm just beyond stuffed right now. I'm like, I'm like struggling to breathe. So you were, you were on like a pretty health fitness craze for a while. Is this like a, a, a like a departure well, a, day? No, no, it's actually quite the opposite. Uh, my biggest issue is I don't eat enough food and eat enough protein to, uh, add the weight and bulk that I want. So I know like burgers aren't generally like healthy for you, but like I never hit like my protein goal like ever. So, you know, I just focus on the protein and everything else will kind of fall in line. So nice. nice. This is my excuse. Do you go to Atlanta often for business? I don't. This is my first time actually. I've Are you going to try cookout? I don't know what that is. Is that a that's like a fast food restaurant uh and it's supposed to be really good and i've heard people talk about it like all of the mains that you get can also be sides so you can get like uh two corn dogs as your main and then like a quesadilla as brian do you know about this are you a cookout i don't know about cookout so i've been to atlanta multiple times and i think it is a slept on city especially for food Mm -hmm. Like, I think the food's really good. I I think also that like the city's like pretty young. Uh, And and, like there's I I could see you really liking it, Evan. Like I'm excited. I've got an extra. I've got a spare night there. So if anybody has recommendations, like shoot me, shoot me, you know, all your spots and stuff. I'd love if you are trying to eat more food. My understanding is cookout will help you out there. Is it like protein based, though, like chicken and stuff or think you can do it however you want to do it. There's a lot of barbecue there. There is. Ooh. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know Atlanta was like a barbecue town. Well, Southern. I I mean, uh, I mean, you can get, you can go super Southern. Hush puppies are like, those aren't your protein, but they're going to be solid. You can get grits there, like collar. You can get all this good stuff there. Hmm. It also has one of my favorite airports in America. Oh, yeah. If you're a fast food slob like me, um that place is like fast food heaven that airport's crazy oh, there's an in and out in atlanta then yeah. there must like be there must be courses of like every fast food restaurant you can imagine but why With would In-N-Out? you want to waste your time on in and out when you could get a, a good burger somewhere there's like every chicken sandwich possible that is the voice of real Jeff Simmons. He speaks like a like a citizen of the United States although he is a citizen of Seahawks Nation uh, up in Toronto. So uh, happy to have you here, Jeff. And uh, we're just like a month away from like 
well, maybe more than a month, but we're closing in on on Thanksgiving and a big Seahawks game in Seattle and all sorts of stuff going on. (laughs) The week that the Seahawks didn't play, I think maybe the biggest story was watching the Cowboys play the Seahawks. Sorry, the Cowboys play the 49ers. Did you guys all watch that game? I did. It was so annoying. I did. So annoying. <laughs> we'll come back to that game a little bit later as we talk about our Seahawks. I think that's where everyone's going to want to start as the Seahawks. But I thought that game was an important one um, in terms of assessing exactly where things stand right now. Uh, I think everybody, I think everybody walked away with the the same basic feeling, which is, yeah, the 49ers are in a class by themselves right now. Um, Can and, I just say one thing on this? Yes. Like, it's so annoying that not only are the 49ers like one of the best teams in the NFL and just stacked with blue chip talent, they're also like really fun. And I don't like that. That like really annoys me. I think you just broke Brian's brain. They're like fun. Am am I wrong? Like they are they're just really, really good. Yeah, they they're like they're running like they're um in motorized vehicles and everyone else is in like a stagecoach. Like they just move they're moving at a different speed than everybody else in the NFL on both sides of the ball. I think the worst the thing that, that you want to know what really broke my brain, Jeff, and it really made me depressed, Evan, was our friend Grant Cohen asking weeks ago on Twitter in a poll, which is better, the 49ers offense or the 49ers defense? And I stared at that for like five minutes and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Well, we're all Brock Purdy believers on this podcast, right? <laughs> no, but but seriously, I actually don't know your takes on this. What are you talking about? You gave me so much shit when I said before the season that Brock Purdy was going to be. Oh, you're right. You're right. I just had a brain fart. We have talked about this extensively. <laughs> I'm totally lost. I'm in a coma right now. Okay. I'm in well, a coma. Since we're already into it. I'm curious, like, so, so the, part of the, there's this weird thing that continues to go on with Brock Purdy where people are like, okay, he still hasn't proven it. Or he's still like, he's not as, I saw some take about, he's not as good as Sam Howell on the, the, like the commanders and he's throwing to wide open people. I don't know how you watch that game and watch some of the throws he made in tight spaces, anticipation throws into windows, like against multiple coverages yes shanahan is an amazing person to have calling your offense as a quarterback but purdy's not just making wide open five-yard jimmy garoppolo throws he's making some pretty good throws uh especially in that game against the cowboys did you guys see that differently or do you do you, do you feel like oh yeah he still hasn't proven he's a good quarterback i mean it's very early it's shanahan all that stuff but like yeah. No, I agree. Like, I didn't watch the game, but I've seen highlights and I've watched them other times. And he's fun. He's got a lot of pizzazz. And, like, he, I agree. Like, he is not just, you know, uh, playing Jimmy G ball. Like, he's, he will challenge you downfield and he'll do some kind of crazy stuff. I think that's like he, uh, one of the big questions with him with like the turnover worthy plays at the end of last year, right? Uh, so yeah, he's he's not just trying to dump it off and game manage his way to these wins. He's he's fun and trying to do stuff, and I think he's I think he's pretty good. Jeff, do you have do you have remaining questions, doubts about Purdy? 
Ugh, I wish. Uh, he's much better in the pocket and like athletic and get moving around than I realized. And that's that's what Jimmy's limitation really was. Jimmy could throw to the open guy, but couldn't make a play at all out of structure. And every week he seems to be getting better. And yeah, he does have the easiest job of any quarterback in the league. He's playing with an all-star team and with an all-star coach. But he's making higher level throws than I thought he was capable of. And I was hoping like the elbow injury or last year was sort of a outlier, but right now it's just they look almost unbeatable. Like I'm looking at their schedule. It's hard to see how they lose at this point and sort of ruining the rest of the season for me. <laughs> I want to come back to that. Uh, Evan, you, one last thing for you on Purdy. Like any any thoughts for you there? Highest EPA, this is for Nathan, highest EPA per attempt out of any quarterback in the NFL, 0.79. And I believe highest total EPA. So it's yeah. not like, yeah. again, that he's just throwing seven passes a game. When a dude's incompletion rate is like, when he hit like 95% in one game. He's <laughs> 21 and 22, like, 20 and 21 or whatever it was against. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, there's no way to spin that negatively. Just right. Don't. Like just right. stop. So it's very bad news for the Seahawks, but we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> it is such bad news. Uh, Can but, you uh, how insane it is though? Like the amount of weight we put on drafts, like draft position and NFL teams do it too. Like it's insane. Um, if this guy was even a second round pick, we would, uh, there would not be half as many questions about him at this right. point. Um, if Will Levis was out there doing this right now, people would be falling over themselves to talk about how good he was. Um, or like, uh, you know, uh, Gino and Daniel Jones in the offseason. Like, Daniel Jones was a terrible first-round pick. He played like ass for years. He had one okay year last year, and because he was a first-round pick, they pay him. And then Gino, you know, I mean, he didn't get, like, nothing, but he definitely took a, a much lesser deal. And one of those players is just like clearly better than the others. At some point, like we have to accept, we talk about it all the time. Like, Oh, it's a crap shoot. And Oh, having a first round pick doesn't mean anything. Like you can mess those up and Seattle's terrible at it and all this. But then like we hold on to these draft priors so damn hard and the league does too. It's wild. Well, and, and you talk about like all those factors. Trey Lance doesn't get hurt. Is Brock Purdy even playing? Has he even gotten a snap yet in an NFL game? If if Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't been hurt before then, and like there is a lot of factors, like if those guys didn't get hurt again last year, like Purdy doesn't play last year if those things don't happen. And I don't think he like beats them out in practice. And, and like he could have been sitting behind inferior quarterbacks for years and maybe never gotten a chance. Maybe he his first chance would have come on another team that he signs with after his rookie deal. And they're not Shanahan and they're not this good of a, so it's, it's like, there's luck that definitely plays a role. And it does make me wonder a little bit like Russell Wilson got a lot of this bullshit when he started like uh all-star team. It's carries carried by the defense. He's carried by Marshawn Lynch. He's just like being dragged along. Uh, those of us who watched it knew that wasn't the case. Like Russell certainly was in a very, very good situation, but he also was really good. Like he was a big part of why that team was really good. And if you've been watching the Niners and can't see the difference between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, 
you haven't been watching. Like there's a big freaking difference and it sucks. <laughs> it totally sucks. So let me, let me transition a little bit here. He's so, got, he's got one more year, I think before they have to pay him though. Right. What did he, last year was his rookie year, wasn't it? Two, two more years. He's well. So next year is the end of his third year. So I doubt he'll step on a football field that fourth year without a deal. We'll see. Yeah. I I mean, but we'll see. I've been the 49ers cap situation is mind boggling with as many great players as they have to have as much cap space as they have this year that they're going to roll into next year and that they add Randy Gregory. And like, it's like, it's a little annoying, (laughs) but Jeff, one of my questions I've been kind of wondering, and everyone's welcome to join in on this one. Um, let's talk about the Seahawks for a second. Yeah. Seahawks had a big, a, a big step forward against the Giants. No matter what you think about the Giants team and how shitty it is, that was a big step forward game in a lot of ways for the Seahawks. And we started to see a little bit of the shape of what the Seahawks could be. And so my question for you is, what do you think the Seahawks ceiling is? Like what, what's the, what's the best that the Seahawks can look like? Like, what is that? What's the shape of that look like from an offensive perspective, from a defensive perspective? And then I want to compare that a little bit. I'll bring it back to the, to the Niners conversation in a second, but like, do you have in your mind's eye kind of what that looks like? In some, some capacity. Sure. Um, It's pretty amazing. They're scoring in like a top, I think they're sixth in scoring and, they're one of the worst third down teams in the league. And a lot of that has to do with their protection on up front on the tackle spots. So what they, they're in terms of like first and second down are one of the best teams in the league. If they can elevate into a good third down team, and there's every reason to think that's possible. Once the tackles come back, can allow them to act, like really utilize their three receivers and really utilize their tight ends. Then they can become a top five offense that we thought they were. They're still, pushing that as one of the worst third down teams and as a bad red zone team defensively. I still, I still am not sure what the ceiling is defensively. We've seen them really turn on the pass rush, but against probably the two worst offensive lines in the league. And obviously the Panthers and giants, our offenses are probably, I think they're 31 and 32 in EPA. So I'm still not sure what the defense is. I think this week is going to be a really, really interesting test to kind of be a measuring stick for them. But I think you can see the the pass rush, the the run defense, and if the coverage can all come together, I think they can be a pretty solid defense. And they're getting healthy. They 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 have pretty much everyone for the first time this week. So I think we're going to learn a lot about what their ceiling is over this next little three four game stretch because we haven't really. I'm still not sure what they are. So part of what I'm curious about is if you ask yourself and this is for all of you if you imagine like the best that the seahawks could possibly be this year like imagine everything going really well the rest of the way how does that compare to the 49ers floor like if things go really bad the rest of the way if they lose some people to injuries whatever like whatever like how close is the seahawks absolute ceiling this season Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> to what like a realistic floor is for this 49ers team. It's got to be like a two, three win separation. 
right? Yeah, I mean, like that's... if Seattle's ceiling is like, like what, twelve what? and five. Like, yeah, probably. Do you really think the 49ers like lose more than two to three games? I think San Francisco's floor is probably 13. Yeah. That feels right. That feels like the floor. I can't imagine them losing more than I can't imagine them losing two games right now. Like it's no, really wait, someone would need to get injured. Yeah. I, I'm pulling up their schedule again. What's their only hard game? Is it pretty much the Eagles? They'd be playing Seahawks twice. I think the Seahawks might be their toughest matchup other than the Eagles. We're going to take one from them. We're going to take one. It's going to be Thanksgiving. It'd be so fun. It'd be so fun. We are going to take them on Thanksgiving. (laughs) The schedule's so easy. It's really easy. But I might not watch that Thanksgiving game. I I don't know if I can. You're bracing. Yeah. Because they're going to eat turkey on the middle of the in in the middle of the field. It's. Dana's not going to be able to watch that game. I, and I, you know, I've never understood that until now. This game, that's this <laughs> the one where I like. I don't think I can do it. I don't think did, I can. It, did Josh say Tampa Bay and uh, what's his name? Oh my god, the quarterback, little white guy, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Josh said Baker Mayfield was going to take a win from from the Niners this season. Oh come on! I he mean... did say that. He's on record. Could they lose to Baltimore? Yeah. Maybe. I, I I mean, there's no there's no team you can point to and say this is a team that's got a clear reason to believe they should beat the 49ers. I think the Chiefs, you might say, all right, if if everything was going well, but they're not they're not as great as they've been. The Bills have had some just absolute killer injuries. I think they're a pretty good team. The Dolphins, you know, that that might be a team that has enough strength on offense to do something you know interesting the eagles like eagles maybe you know they beat them last year but but i think they're way better than the eagles they okay, have can we sc- slow down just a little this is getting a little out of they have not like, scored less than 30 points in a single game okay they had a pretty easy schedule though other than the yeah game. let's let's talk about that for a minute they played the steelers they're garbage they played the giants they're garbage they played the Cardinals. They're garbage. They blew out the Cowboys, who should be good, but just lost to the Cardinals. Like, yeah. let's chill. Like, they they played one like team that looks that's looked solid throughout the year, and they won by a touchdown. Yeah, it was a close thirty to twenty-three. But Nathan, they're game. shitting on all of them. It's not no, even close. No, it's thirty to twenty-three. That Rams game was a close game. Thirty to seven. Thirty to twelve. Thirty-five to sixteen. 42 to 10. The Niners are taking dumps in their mouth. <laughs> Straight up. This All is right. not even close. But now the Rams, and they're about to play the Browns backup quarterback and uh, the Vikings without Jefferson. So. The, yeah. the Ravens were two drop touchdowns away from doing the same thing to the Steelers. Yeah. Like, like let's just let's calm down a tiny bit. I mean, look, here's the deal. They're going to be favored in every game except that Eagles game barring something weird with injuries or something like that. That's fine. I get it. But like this team is not there. They're, we're, we are, it's so early. We are overreacting. Like, I don't is, think we are. Like, I, I don't think we are, but I do believe like what I will say is I've watched enough of their games this season. And 
I, I feel like they're a hot knife through better. I haven't watched that Rams game. It wasn't that close, really. Like No, it was close. Uh, like they punted on fourth and one, and they yeah. were they were winning. Yeah. I, that one was a close game. My 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 read of that t- the the one thing I will say is teams been letting them run on them like they've they've they like the 49ers have been running well enough on offense that they just haven't had to really strain at all to score points and I think that a team that can actually force CMC to not be the 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 impact player he's been on the ground I think can make that team beatable like so. I don't think it's out of the question, but I, I don't back off anything I said in terms of them lapping the field. They are they are head and shoulders, I think, above anybody else. You could look at any other team, Nathan, and show the teams that they've played, like the Eagles, for example. They have like barely beaten a bunch of crappy teams so far this year. They have not looked good. Okay. So the Finers having one close game against a pretty decent Rams team, I don't think is like an indictment on, on it's that. not an indictment. They're an extremely good team. They're an extremely good team, but I think we are all are just going a little crazy. So they're they're number one in DVOA. Okay. Yeah. And so yeah, I agree. Like that backs it up, right? But in on offense, they're second. On defense, they're seventh. Very good. <laughs> very, very good. Right. But like this is not a team that is like I don't think they're lapping the field. I think that they are. Wait like, a second, though. I mean, you say they're number one DVOA. I'm, I'm sure you've seen they're the fifth best DVOA through five weeks ever. Like they, they, it's the highest, better than any of the '80s 49ers. They're in like the '85 Bears territory. Like their DVOA with opponent adjustment is still like astronomical. We, yeah, we got to talk about something else. I'm gonna. Agreed. They're, Let's go back here. Yeah. But the Bills are not far behind them. Okay, like, the Bills, Bills are good. I, yeah. I, I wish they weren't getting so much injuries. I always cheer for the Bills. But one last question. One last question. Where's Seattle in that DVOA rank? They're like nine or eight. Nine. Eight. They're eight, and they're eight on offense and and fourteenth on defense. Yeah, like I test. That's about right. I think so. They're they're in that second tier of NFC teams, and the Lions, who are blowing everyone out, that win has made me feel a lot better about the Seahawks. I don't know about you guys. The Lions are third in DVOA, and Seattle Seattle beat them. So yeah, yeah, that's that's my that's part of my point here is like I think you separate the Seahawks from the 49ers conversation. Like I, I think there's 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 two different tiers here, and yeah. um, part of where I was going with this is. I'm curious where what you guys think the Seahawks have to do to unlock their next level of like potential. Like you have some point of view of what kind of team the Seahawks are. What do you need to see from the Seahawks to believe, okay, add a win, add two wins to what you think that they're capable of. What's what's the piece of their team? What's the aspect of the team that you 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 need to see that you haven't yet seen? Evan, I'm kind of going to go with you first. I think it's Seattle taking a a step with this secondary with Jamal Adams return. You know, this is a secondary that has not been fully healthy together outside of one drive, if I'm not mistaken, this entire year um, with Jamal returning and then getting a concussion almost immediately. This is a pass defense that has actually like struggled, relatively speaking. And what's funny is the pass rush has actually been very productive. Yes, against some really poor offensive lines, but it's kind of been the opposite of what we've expected coming into this season. So I think if this, if this secondary can, you know, be dominant 
in combination with a with an above average pass rush, that would do wonders for this Seahawks team. I have no doubt that this offense is going to continue to gel. I'm not worried about JSN's ability to morph in with the rest of the guys. I know there's some freak out within the fan base around that, but I think we really need Jamal Adams to return and be an impact player for this team. So yeah, my answer is the secondary. It's a basic and obvious one, but I do think it matters. Jeff, how about you? Uh, I think it's the passing game. Um, I think the passing game has not been great at all. I don't think there's Detroit, Detroit, you saw some moments, but Shane Waldron's done a great job scheming tight ends. And I don't think we've seen what we thought these three receivers would be. And I know um, the JSN guy, but even like Lockett and Metcalf have not been like as a duo, literally as productive as we probably would have thought. And we thought that adding the third receiver would open things up for the whole passing game. And outside of like a, a quarter against one team and, Carolina and then a lot of it was the running game. We just haven't seen them look great and really other than Detroit anywhere. So I think if you could, I, I think what Evan was saying is definitely true. And I think if, if you can get the defense going and then add a really high level passing game, which is what we thought this team could be. I think that more than anything higher low it raises the ceiling of the team because I think all the other elements, like the run defense being number one in the league, like we, I, I would have laughed at that idea and the pass rush being getting better is something we could have saw coming and the linebackers have been a little better but for me the whole thing this season was about just that passing offense and really raising the ceiling of this whole team and they're three and one really haven't scratched the surface of that yet yeah nathan for me it's similar around where jeff is and I, i get more specific it is jsn for me like if jsn like when I'll say when JSN starts to be unlocked in this offense and be like an integral part and, and is legitimate third threat in the passing game. I think that is a huge step. I think that's the biggest step forward. And part of it is because I'm a little bit, maybe I'll look foolish for feeling this way. I'm a little bit already assuming that this secondary is going to be better. Like I've seen enough from Trey Brown. I've seen enough from Devin Witherspoon. I've even seen a little bit from Jamal Adams and what he, and like Julian Love. I feel like the secondary is on the come. I don't think we've seen anything yet on that third receiver front. So I feel like that's a huge step forward when that comes. And I think there'll be a handful when that happens. What about you? Like what, what, where's your mind in terms of like, eh, they, this is their next big building block to take that next step. Yeah. I think it would probably echo all of that, right? They need to even out on, in the passing offense, um, that's probably JSN. I don't think it needs to be JSN. I think they just need to get a little bit more consistency there. Um, and the pass defense needs to get on the field altogether and, you know, be above average, uh, which is what we expected. Like, both of the, these things are are what we expected coming into the year. We thought that they would be where they are right now because of those things. And that's not exactly – not not – it partly is that, but not a, not entirely that. And so um, I think the things that we thought were going to be good just need to show that they can be good. And and this team will take another step forward. And I'm, I'm waiting for it to happen. I'm ready to uh, uh, take the L on saying that this team is basically the same as last year, because the defense as a whole looks like it's ready to be legitimately good, like potentially top 10 good by the time the, the year is over. 
um, if all these if the the run defense stays and the pass defense gets to an above average spot. What were we gonna say, Evan? You had something I, on your I mind. just I just can't believe that I was like processing your words in real time, Nathan, because I remember we were having this exact conversation. And to be clear, I wasn't like putting money on the line, but I remember asking you guys like six weeks ago. I was like, just what if? What if defensively they could just be like average, like top <laughs> 10 to 15? And I think universally it was pretty much like, that's pretty unlikely. And, <laughs> yeah. and to be clear, I was yeah. I, I was having to like force myself to be like unreasonably optimistic. So the fact that I think they've taken a step in several really positive directions defensively, you know, it may mean they end their uh, play playoff list winning streak this year. So we'll see. Do you, do any of you guys are you, any of you? Well, let me ask you this way. That implies that all of us are feeling pretty confident coming off a game where they've played the worst offensive line in football and like an awful quarterback. And the week before they also played a pretty awful team and, and a backup quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Why, why do you guys feel like, all right, you've watched enough Seahawks games, you know, when there's mirages, why do you feel like this is not a mirage based off of opponent? This team got swept by the NFC South last year. <laughs> the NFC fucking South. Yeah. The NFC South. Do you know how many games Seattle has lost? And I, I brought this up, I think, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was this past week, um, where Seattle has played down to an opponent and lost to a backup quarterback. That's happened so many times in recent years. It's kind of been an exhausting trait about Pete Carroll football teams, to be honest. And, and, you know, it can, it can go the other direction. You know, when they play a really good team, they typically show up and play up to the competition, but this is a game they should have won. They did win and just ended up smacking them around by the end of it. That felt good. I don't feel that often as a Seahawks fan. It's just beating a team that you should beat and you just kind of shit on them. That, that felt good. So haven't felt that in a while. Yeah. I'm processing this emotionally in real time right now. <laughs> and to add to that, I think there's legitimate talent upgrades throughout mm -hmm. the defense. And we can start, we spent a lot of time over the years debating some players in the fan base that turned out to be pretty shit. And how much time was spent when Puna Ford wasn't re-signed? Like, how are they going to run a defense without Puna Ford? Puna Ford's been a healthy and active for three games in Buffalo. Shaq Griffin, we've spent all this time on. Shaq Griffin's basically fizzled out of the league. Yeah, is he even on a on a roster right now? Jeff? I, I don't know. He was I think he is. I think he is. And now we're looking at Devin Witherspoon replacing Michael Jackson, Bobby Wagner replacing Cody Barton. I know there was takes on that today. Uh, <laughs> I think if you watched the Thursday night game last week when we were doing our show. You can see Cody Barton giving up a touchdown. You can see Cody Barton. I sent a clip to the boys today of Cody Barton being dragged 10 yards down the field by freaking Khalil Herbert. And that just sent well, memories of last year. You guys heard any Shelby Harris's name this year? Have you guys heard? Alwood's made a play last week for the first time all season. I haven't heard his name. There. Wait, the Seahawks have pass protected this year without Travis Homer. <laughs> how, how have they done that? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. 
It's true, though. I think your point, though, Jeff, is really valid in that the game Devin Weatherspoon had, has there been a Seahawk in the in the secondary that would have had that game against the same opponent? Would Kobe no. Bryant have had that game against that same opponent? Yeah, no fucking chance. No way. Would like, like you run through the whole list. There's nobody that would have had that game against that opponent. Two sacks. I'm not talking even just about the pick six. I'm talking about the hits, the like the sacks. Like it was a different kind of game, right? And I think Reek Woolen, we already know he's different than guys we've had before. I don't know. Like the, the most unreasonable reaction I had to that game was I thought Jamal Adams looked really good. It was very short, very small sample size, but I thought he looked like a playmaking player in that, in that. And I already can imagine Jamal Adams, they're playing running dime or they're running like big nickel or whatever. And they've got Witherspoon on one side of the line. They've got Jamal Adams on the other side of the line. And you don't know which one of those guys is going to drop into coverage. You don't know which one of those guys is going to blitz. And you think back a few years ago when Jamal Adams had nine and a half sacks, that was their only pass rush. Like, so you put him in a situation where he's just a weapon. It's interesting. Like it becomes, you can kind of see the shape of what feels like a more impactful defense. Yeah. Making defense. Another, have we heard Ryan Neal's name this year? (laughs) You got to take a victory lap on that one. Well, I I don't, I haven't watched the bucks play much to be often, but you tweeted out today. Julian loves getting better. Yeah, and he like all these guys like we spent like like how are they gonna replace Ryan Neal? He's better like most reliable defender. And frankly, he he was one of our more reliable defenders. And all these guys, you see them go into the league, Barton and Neal and Puna, and it's like, well, they were playing scrubs. And for the first three four weeks, the Seahawks defense certainly looked like scrubs. So we need to see more. And this is why this matchup so interesting, but. I think you can see there's just legitimate talent upgrades at so many spots. Yeah, they have officially gotten my hopes up, which is I'm just oh. ready to be oh smacked in the face. Chase, here we go. Yeah. When was the last time, Brian, you were this excited about a Seahawks team? Honestly, it wasn't that long ago. I was really like maybe not the whole team. I was so excited last year when they beat the Broncos. Like that was so fun, and I was I was really excited when they. Even when they beat the Lions in that game last year, and we saw the type of offense we hadn't seen before, and like just Geno Smith actually turning into a good player <laughs> was really exciting. Can I rephrase? Yeah. When was the last time you were this confident in a, in a full Seahawks team? Not excited. Confident. Yeah, fair question. Because I'm trying to figure out at like a talent level, like roster wide. So beyond just the quarterback position, obviously. I don't, I honestly, I mean, honestly, if I'm looking at the complete roster and the strength across the board that I think you're getting all the way back to like, I know what year you're 2015, 2016, kind of like somewhere around there. Cause the, the defense really did take a nosedive after 2016. Um, I think it was the last time the defense was any, it's been bad for like five or six years. Oh, eight. It's it's a solid eight years. Or a solid eight years. And they've I been really bad in yeah. some years, like historically awful. Yeah. So Nathan, Jeff, are you in different spots? I'm just curious. 
I don't know if I felt as good about the entire team, but early 2020 was very, very exciting. Yeah. 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 Definitely agree with that. Um, we should take some patron questions. Uh, if you wouldn't mind starting to find those for us. Uh, if you haven't already, give the show a like and click subscribe to the channel. And then go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, and you can get access to the Slack channel where you get to ask us questions every week, where we give away tickets to the game, where you get to meet all sorts of cool people, have good conversations. It's not easy making friends, folks, on this, in this digital age, this pandemic age we've been through. I'm telling you, Real Hawk Talk Slack is a good place to meet some cool people talking Seahawks. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger. You can join too. And all the proceeds go to charity. Over 260,000 donated already and more to come. So Nathan, I know this is one of your favorite parts of the pod. You take the conch and uh, guide us through these questions. Yeah, I'm you know, filling in some big shoes here, but I'll do my best. Um, so Mark Zuck has, a, I think, a really good uh, question here. And I, I think you and Jeff kind of did this in the offseason looking back at a bunch of Seahawks drafts. Um, I don't think it's one that we can probably answer today. It's just too early. But he says, many of us were uh, high on Matthew Smith before the draft. He's played less than 25% of their team snaps. Uh, the crew should look at one player each uh, that they wanted to draft, excluding Jalen Carter, uh, and see how they have done so far. I think this is a good one to revisit at the end of the year, but I wanted to, to shout it out because I think it's a good question. Uh, all right, so then he has another question, though, from Mark Zuck, um, and I want us to maybe roundtable this really quick. Um, at Rams, Niners, Cowboys, at Niners, Eagles. How do you see that stretch going? So can we just like go win-loss really quick on each of those? Uh, so, uh, Brian, uh, at Rams. I'm going to go with win. It's a 50-50 right now. Okay. But I'm going to go with win. Yes. Loss. Evan? I'm going loss as well. All right, Brian, uh, what is next here? Uh, Niners. Thanksgiving. Brian? Hey. I'm going to call, I'm going to say win because I don't want to think about anything else, but that is a absolute Homer take for sure. Uh, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all going to go win because I don't think any of us can handle. No, that's a win. That's a win. I I can't emotionally. Nathan, you're smart enough to watch that game. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Okay, Cowboys. They're winning that. Okay. Brian. I think that's a loss. Ooh. Uh, and Jeff. And I'm going to take a win on this one. All right. Uh, at the Niners, Brian. Loss. Jeff. Loss. Evan. 70 to 10. Loss. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get shit on. I'm just telling you. All right. It's going to be a 70 piece. <laughs> Eagles at home, Brian. I think we win that one. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this is my this game makes no sense. Pete Carroll game. That's a win, even though there's every reason they should lose. Evan, they're losing that. All right. Well, so um, I don't know. Like, so Jeff and Evan, you have them coming out of here uh, two and three. Brian, 
pretty optimistically, I think. <laughs> um, are you going to be happy with that if they come out of that two and three? If they come out of that two and three, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's a brutal stretch. That's yeah. The, the, the Rams fight. game is a sneaky tough one because they just they struggle against that team and Matt Stafford's playing like some of the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And you don't know what they're gonna look like with Cooper Cup and uh Puka by then. Like it could just be a very different team. So I don't know. Don't like that matchup. I think that's the All only right. good part about the Seahawks having no chance of winning the division. That five stretch doesn't mean as much. Oh, they're not winning the division. That's what I mean. So to me, it's like if there was a division, like that would be like the end of the Seahawks' chances. But really, like they just have to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Evan, Richie Brash, please take a few minutes to express your apologies for the Jaron Reed slander this offseason. No. Do it. (laughs) Not yet. Do it. I'm not. I'm not there. I'm not. I'm not. I have to see. So when somebody, so when somebody traumatizes you, when somebody <laughs> trespasses you against you emotionally, and they cause significant damage, harm. What did he do to you? There has the Seahawks signed him to like a two million, two year, twenty four million dollar deal, and let Quinn Jefferson walk, which was incredibly traumatizing to me. Okay, they picked the wrong player. Okay. I, I need to see a uh, lengthy rehabilitation in his behavior towards the Seahawks before I will apologize for that. So no, not yet. And that's my pride and my ego speaking. This is the guy who is ride or die with the worst kicker in the NFL. Like the most overpaid. Kicker Baron Reed NFL. blocked me on Twitter. Oh, I mean, is he the only one to block you on Twitter? Like, that's not a good... Justin Britt was the only other player that blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) Only blocking he's ever done in his life, by the way. Oh, that's good. Right-wing capitalist Evan Hill hates NFL players getting paid. (laughs) Terrible. You hate to see it. Um, Damn it. (laughs) All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, Reed's been awesome. Uh... Evan, you were you were just making an excellent point about how amazing it is that we're talking about this being an above average defense, and that doesn't happen without uh, Jaron Reed, or he he's at least a big part of that. Other players, I'm sure, could come in and do the same thing, but he's the one here doing it. Um, and I mean, they have a like a pretty legitimately dominant run defense right now, and I mean, you can't do that with terrible defensive tackles. Well, let's take a quick detour on this for a second top two or three players that are way outperforming your expectations this year. Jaron Reed has to be one of those guys. Yes. It's not even close. Yeah. I mean, yes, he is one of them. Mario Edwards has to be one of those. Like, Mm -hmm. like, did anyone expect him to be a top five interior pass rusher in the NFL? No. By like most metrics. No, he's up there. And then Brown would be another one, I guess. Mm, I told you guys Evan Brown was going to be good. You told us the last the five centers they signed were going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> the tackles are probably up there, no? Or yeah, yeah, the backups. Yeah, I think they had like a. I I, I think it's a little bit of mirage to be honest. They no, did against- the Detroit game was legitimately good. I don't think they've been good since that. Then. Detroit game was like kind of yeah. a season-saving game. It was a huge. It's crazy. 
It's Aiden Hutchinson has dominated every other team he's played. In the Seahawks game, he was invisible. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yes. you. It made no sense. Any given Maybe Sunday. they did to us what we did to the Rams, and they just were like, that team sucks, yeah. uh, and they lost the tackle. <laughs> we're not going to take them seriously. I actually felt bad a little bit like going into that. I was like, I've been that Detroit fan that had a real losing history, and you go in and you're like riding high for your first home game, and then you're like, oh, everyone's leaving, feeling like, God damn it, it's still the same shit. Uh, they're fine. They're what four. Of them they're there. fine now. They're yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. All right. So All right. on the ta- that 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 topic, uh, Michael Mathis wants to know. Um, assuming we have crossback, which I believe is pretty he's practiced both days, in, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and assuming Lucas is out for at least another week, which I think there's no, is there a timetable on Lucas returning? What Pete said was not this week. Um, not sure about next week, uh, within the next few couple of weeks, something along those lines and that they don't want, they've waited this long and they don't want to rush him back. And it feels a little bit like a, like a free beer tomorrow thing, right? Like he's just a couple of weeks away perpetually forever at this point is the fear at least i and and the word they used for what he did was they never said he had surgery they said something like a procedure which usually means like that uh plasma like platement what is it platelet platelet rich plasma regenekine like whatever stuff which means that this might not work and he might come back and then get injured and have to leave this. Like, I don't think we should count on Abe Lucas coming back and staying back. I hope I'm wrong, but that's, that's what I'm kind of braced for. So assuming that is our tackle situation, uh, Brian, who should be our right tackle until he returns stone Forsyth, Jake Curhan, or Jason Peters, who I was under the assumption was going to be starting from the second that Abe Lucas went out. I must have got some bad reporting on that. Uh, but uh, I suppose he's in the mix now today. So who would you pick there? God, I mean, you want to talk about some bad performances in the NFL. There's been a couple. There's been a beat writer that's had a really bad year. You know, He's still taking big swings, though. You oh, he does. He's that. taking big swings, and yeah. he's batting a very low average. I, personally, I like Jake Curhan is a good run blocker and an atrocious pass blocker. I don't think you can just run with it. Like you're going to have to have a tight end over him all the time. If he's your guy stone Forsyth, decent enough pass blocker, not a great run blocker and not a great pass blocker either. He's like decent enough. I think you give Jason Peters a shot at that point. If you get Charles cross back, I think Jason Peters at right tackle. I at least want to see what that looks like because I don't, I'm not super satisfied with either Curran or Forsyth as your rest of the season, right tackle. But if you can do, if you can go with Curran and he's really good at run blocking and the tight ends have been excellent and they've been creative with the usage of the tight ends. That seems like a, you maximize what's, what's going on. What's happening. Nothing. Evan's just busy. Uh Uh-huh. Do I need to repeat all that? Was anyone listening to it? No, I heard you. Curran's a good run blocker and you have a tight end and. Keep going. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay, next question for Jeff, I guess. Uh, oh, boy. Got a good one for you, too, Jeff. Oh boy. Uh, Tanner Field wants to know, looking forward to the second half of the season, how do you expect the snap count to be split between 
uh, Zach Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker. And what would you like to see? I think the way it's been going the last couple weeks has been very efficient. And I think I'd keep it as much as they, they've kept it the same. I think they, as we said, they complement each other really, really well. They do things really differently. And Walker's been a much more efficient runner and he's been a better pass blocker than, and even as a receiver, he's been fine. There was a, like a second and 17 he converted. So the way it's been used in Carolina and the Giants game, I think that's the split it should go the rest of the year. I I feel like it, like Charbonnet has a style that's so fun about him, but I don't want Walker coming off the field. I think Walker's just so explosive. And when you mix there, Walker's explosion with Charbonnet's power and Charbonnet's just reliability, I would leave it at what it's been. I'm not angling for any of them to play more than what they're playing. I think like the good news here is that Charbonnet. Really matter, so it doesn't really matter when we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising to hear. It's that Charbonnet looks like a good player. Like he 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 looks like he's going to be what we hoped he could be. And like you know, n- none of us wanted him to be picked. Any running back to be picked with a second round pick this year. Like that, we've been clear about that. But they made that pick, and he looks like he's going to be a, a good quality back who could be a featured back if he was the if he needed to be in that situation. That's goodness. And personally, I prefer his style because there's less opportunity for negative runs. He just takes with the yards there and hits the hole, and also has burst to get out. Ken Walker is more explosive for sure and breaks a bunch of tackles, but he takes a lot of risks that, that can get you negative plays. So I don't personally love that, but I'm just happy that they're both looking like strong, strong contributors. Yeah. Cause Charbonnet in the preseason, I think week one, he looked like junk. He did. And he's really come on the last three weeks and he looks sort of like what he did at UCLA, but in the preseason, he looked like unathletic and I don't know if it was the injury that he had or what, or his adjustment to the game, but he looked scary bad at first. So it's been, Promising to see those last couple weeks, the UCLA guy we saw. Uh, I'm going to throw this up to whoever wants to answer it. Uh, Zach Hassan, how good have DK's hands been this year? Am I forgetting a play or something where DK showed amazing hands? Um, I mean, he hasn't had hands problems, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of what might prompt Zach to ask this question. Maybe the catch in the end zone last game where he kind of showed like the, the quiet hands where he kind of put it up at the last second. But I don't know if he's made any spectacular like hands catches. That was more of a savvy receiver play than more of a hands play. I don't know. I'm going to pull it up for a second because I I actually agree with this general take that DK DK had some drops throughout his career and i think he has made a number especially contested catches he's never been particularly good in that category Hmm. i think he's doing much better in that regard this year uh unfortunately i have to pull up a different site but like he's caught of the 23 targets to him he's caught 18 and i'm pretty sure from a percentage perspective that is way above his his typical. So give me one more second, and I will. I guess the thing, like when I think about it, like I'm not thinking of a play where it was like, oh, that's the thing he used to not be good at. Yeah. Um. So that's where I like. I mean, I'm I'm happy to take the opportunity to say nice things about DK, but nothing jumped to mind here for me. On so here's here's just real quick. K 
catch rate of of just targets. 58% as a rookie, 64%, 58%, 63%. So all like 63 pretty much and below. He's 78% this year. Like it's definitely a step up. Um okay. Uh Derek Woods wants to know which side's numbers were more uh, more inflated. See, this is why Dana usually does it. She never trips over her words. Um, Were more inflated by opponent their last game. Cincy's passing offense against the Arizona defense or Seattle's passing defense against the weak Giants offense. Uh, Without uh, fact-checking this one, I'm going to say it's the Giants offense would be my thing. They just gave up seven sacks to the dolphins but um uh jeff what do you think do you have a strong opinion one way or the other on this one yeah i'm with you on that one uh i think the since he was a lot of it was joe burrow looked healthier and obviously arizona's not a great defense they play really hard but their talent is limited but we've seen arizona be i mean cincinnati be a top three passing game for since really joe burrow and chase got there together and Burrow looked the first time all year. He looked healthy, looked a little more mobile, and Jamar Chase looked uncoverable. I don't think that had to do with Cincinnati, but you've seen him do that basically since he entered the league. So I don't think it was really inflated at all. Um, I think it's got to be Seattle against the Giants. And Brian, Derek wants to know, how do you think that matchup plays out on Sunday? This is where I spent all my time, like, this morning kind of when I was breaking down for the tail of the tape um, on the blog, I, I asked myself the exact same question and Joe Burrow. I don't think people, I don't know how many people, people in fantasy are very clear about how shitty Joe Burrow has been this year. Like he is literally 32nd out of, you know, 32 out of 32 starting quarterbacks in terms of like yards per th- attempt he's like five yards i mean these are you look at his scatter charts of where he's throwing the ball it is like five yards and in this year and he's just been awful 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 and that's not he he clearly you heard what he said if you didn't like he said i made this throw and i knew we were back in this game you look at the numbers his intermediate passes that he like the percentage of passes he was throwing 10 to 19 yards jumped significantly. His average depth of target jumped. Uh, They ran like they, they feasted on spread offenses. That's what they ran for many years and and empty, empty backfields. They weren't doing that this year because they couldn't protect well enough um, and he couldn't move around well enough. So here's the thing. Let's just assume that, that Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense are back to being Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense. All right. They still do a lot of quick passes near the line of scrimmage. And what have the Seahawks always struggled with? Like you even think of two weeks ago in Carolina and it was Adam Thielen and Andy Dalton before the pass rush could even get there making quick throws. And that was annoying. And so that's going to be the biggest challenge for the Seahawks defense. Even if they're making a, a stride schematically, the Seahawks are going to have to be able to cover close to the line of scrimmage and they haven't proven yet other than against the giants that they're really equipped to do that. So that's, I think the big thing, the other piece that I think people might not know is this is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. 
So I think the Seahawks, everyone's going to be focused on the Bengals pass offense against the Seahawks pass defense. And that's the, I think the main event, but I think the Seahawks run offense versus the Bengals run defense is the undercard. And I think that could be the thing that ultimately decides the game. All right. That is it for Patreon questions. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. Patreon.com slash Hawkblogger. You can sign up, ask us questions and spend some time talking Seahawks in, in between the shows. So happy to do that threads on the Mariners threads. There's probably a Kraken thread. I'm not part of it, but I'm sure it's there. I think I created it at some point called football, all sorts of stuff going on. So patreon.com slash Hawkblogger. Can I Great say one thing to be, what's that? Can I say one thing and follow up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaren Reed may be the key to this game. And let me tell okay. you why. No, yeah, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Okay. Let me tell you why. The Bengals offensive line, interior center, so center position and their left guard are their two weakest points across this offensive line. Okay, so it's Ted Carras. I don't know how to say his last name. They're starting center. He's given up four sacks this season so far. He's responsible for like 50% of the offensive lines sacks that they've given up. And then Cordell Volson, I think is how you say his name. Their starting left guard is like really bad in pass pro. Okay. So if Seattle can beat that interior, their tackles are decent to above average. Um, I know they've got Orlando, Orlando Brown on the left side. Um, their right tackle kind of flies under the radar. Uh, Jonah Williams, he's, he's settled in nicely for them. But if Seattle can pressure them on the anterior and get to Joe quickly, Jaron Reed could be a key here. Uh, I, I would just say keep an eye on those two names on the interior for them. The the turnaround, in your opinion, on Jaron Reed is is amazing. I feel like you must have like released some negative energy that you had been holding on to in the meantime. And now... Now you see the light on Jaron Reed. He's flushed that whole that whole opinion. It's gone. I'm just saying, if he does happen to continue to produce, that would be nice. Let's see sustained production from this man. I love it when you dump a bunch of positivity on him, Seven. Yes, yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, Cordell Volson, by the way, you mentioned him, the guard for the Bengals. His pass block grade for the season... Not for a single game, for a season. Anyone want to guess? Remember, like, 60 is, like, an average starter grade. 32. 32. That is awful. It's not Is 32. it really? Did you actually get that? No, it's not 32. It would oh. be awful. Oh. It's not 32. It's not 32. <laughs> I thought he hit that right really for a minute. <laughs> Jeff, do you want to guess? 44. 44. No, not 44. Evan, you Now you've guess? got me nervous if, if my memory was wrong about him being bad i don't know it's got to be bad right 50 it, 17 <laughs> <laughs> 17 17 it's it's bad it's very very bad that's not great yeah so, i don't know if you guys caught this in the last game but Draymond Jones was like tossing around double teams yeah a lot and a lot of it was because of kind of it, I think some of the film guys were showing how like Jaron Reed has been getting, like what he's been doing, has been shifting people. But this is a game where you would like to see Dre Jones flash a little bit because he, some of the like the deeper film, like he like was knocking dudes over and like 
throwing the Giants' shitty O-line to the ground. And, like, this Volson guy at 17, him and Reed and Edwards, this is a game where those guys can feast. What are you laughing about, Nathan? What's so funny? He's laughing about comments in the chat that you guys were making all these poop puns while I was <laughs> off, off <laughs> taking a shit. Okay, I had to release the Kraken, okay? <laughs> uh, well... On that note, uh, I, I want to talk about this game. I want to talk about this game. Uh, Evans, Evans' bowels are not nearly as interesting. As their safeties suck. Did so, you guys talk yeah, about their safety sucking? Well, hold on, hold on. So, so this is this is, I think, is a huge game for the Seahawks season. Like they, 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 they're on the upswing. They're coming off the bye. They're playing a Bengals team who, by the way, every single one of us on the podcast picked them to lose this game before the season. Like we imagined what the Bengals would be and we had rough thought about the CXB. We all picked them to lose. I don't think we'd all pick them to lose right now, but like, I am curious, like where do you, where your, where's your focus in this game? How do you think this game is going to play out? Nathan, like, where are you looking matchup wise? What's the key? To, what's the key to this game for either the Bengals to win or for the Seahawks to win? I mean, I think the, I'll take the easy key to the game. It's Joe Burrow's health, right? Is he is he back to being Joe Burrow? Is that real? Um, that that'll make the biggest difference in this game. Matchup wise, I'll also take the easy one. Watching him and Wither, uh, 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 Chase, Chase and Witherspoon is going to be a, uh, amazing, and and you know will affect what we think of Joe Burrow, obviously, and and that passing offense. So. To me, that's that's it. It's the passing offense. It's Burrow's health. It's Witherspoon or Reek, you know, whoever is taking uh, the bulk of the chase duties there, uh, and how they match up. And and those should be really fun matchups. Whoever's lining up against him. I mean, I assume guys that we should we just assume Burrow is back. Like, just assume that for a second. Chase has obviously been like he's the, he's the world beater for them. Do you think that they're going to put one guy on him? Do you think that they're going to you know? how do you think that they're going to try to take him away? Because T Higgins hasn't been the the player he has been. They haven't really had the other weapons. Joe Mixon hasn't been effective behind this line really feels like it does come down to, can you slow down Jamar chase at all? Right. I, I think they, even if Burrow is right, I think this team, like, I, I think they match up fairly well, you know, cause We'll see how much of T. Higgins' struggles is just a function of the struggles of the offense that they've had so far. Um, but you know, if you're if they're moving Chase around, I don't think Seattle is going to feel they're not going to stress about it because you're probably flipping. Like I don't know how much he plays on the slot. I don't think it's a ton. So you're flipping him from one side of the field to the other, and so you're picking Reek or Spoon. And I don't think Seattle is going to freak out about that either way. Um, if they want to, you know, try to do a bunch of short stuff, then you're going to be you know, passing into the, into guys like Witherspoon and uh, Adams and guys that are, you know, happy flying around and making big hits and, and tackling in short yardage. I mean, not always great at it, but, you know, happy to try to, to lay hits there and stuff. And so, um, and then, you know, the run defense has been really good so far. So I, I can see them matching up pretty well against this Bengals offense, even if the offense is right. And Higgins didn't play last game. He, messed up his ribs and they have a bye week week seven so it's highly likely higgins doesn't play and then it's really just 
Chase, and then Tyler Boyd, and they don't have much else. So it, it's hard not to come away and say what Nathan did. Like it really comes down to can they stop Chase? Because they don't have much of a run game. Joe Mixon sort of on the last of his legs, and it's a bad run blocking line. So what were you gonna say, Evan? They just gotta get to Joe. They gotta get to him fast, rough him up a little bit. Not hurt him, but shake him up. I'm not convinced he's fully healthy. Well, he's definitely not fully healthy, but he is one thing he's done is is get rid of the ball pretty quickly. So I, I think they're gonna have to pressure him, but I don't know that they're gonna get home as often as a lot of us would like. And yeah, I, I'm really fascinated because I think they move chase around a lot. I don't think they make it easy for you to like match up with him unless you have someone travel with them, which the Seahawks pretty much have never done. And if they're going to play Witherspoon in the, in the, in the nickel and in, in the slot, uh, when they go to three corners, you know, I don't know if that will be what matches up with chase. So I, I do find like, I think that's going to be really fascinating and could be incredibly frustrating depending on how that plays out. What about on the flip side? Yeah, so that's what I was going to say, actually, is um, just as a reminder, and apologies if you guys covered this while I was gone, they lost their two starting safeties in free agency this past year. Mm -hmm. Jesse Bates, who uh, a lot of folks thought would drop off leaving the Bengals because he had an inconsistent year or two, is like the number two ranked safety in the NFL right now. Absolute stud in Atlanta. Von Bell lost him as well in the offseason. They replaced him with Daxton Hill and Nick Scott. Nick Scott signed a three-year deal for $12 million. But Nick Scott has really, really struggled for them. Coverage, poor tackler. So Jordan Battle is a third-rounder that they selected this year. They, I think I just saw their DC comment today. I was doing some research on on uh, that, that camp matchup or that camp battle for them. Um, Jordan Battle sounds like he might be getting – some more playing time taken away from Nick Scott. So their safety position is a little sketch. And then they also started a rookie corner last year or not last year, last game, Arizona. Um, his name's DJ Turner. He actually played really well in Arizona, gave up only like a, I think it was like a 38 passer rating, like gave up like 30 yards or something. I know Arizona still, but uh, that secondary is weak. I think so. They should they should exploit that. Well, this is actually a question that I had. I was I kind of gave you guys a chance to hopefully prepare for a little bit. But if you look at this whole starting roster, not the whole to fifty three, but like the starting on offense, starting on defense, how many players on the Bengals? How many starters on the Bengals would you want starting for the Seahawks over the who's on the Seahawks at those positions? Like I assume Joe Burrow. If yeah. Joe Burrow's healthy, you're taking Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. I think that's too controversial. Jamar Chase, that's a pretty easy one as well. Higgins is an interesting one. What about Trey Hendrickson's got to be? Trey right? Hendrickson's an easy one. Hendrickson's an easy one, I think. Okay. okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I want to know about Higgins. Tell me tell me why he's an interesting one for you. He doesn't come close to me, but tell me why for you. Really? I think he's extremely good. Um uh yeah I, I don't i think he's at least in in the same class as metcalf and mm. tyler um m- maybe better and it's it's this is hard too like so if you're like oh i'll take jamar chase over tyler those are the, the wide receiver ones and then it's wide receiver like how because i i would 
lean Tyler, like if we're just talking about a, se- a season, right? Because there's an age difference there. But um, him and him and DK is a, a tough one for me. Who else? So, is Trey there any, so there's Burrow and Chase on offense. Is there anyone else on offense that you would take? Like T is interesting. I take Jake Browning as my backup quarterback, but <laughs> over Drew Locke? Hell yeah. The only like man on this team that will target JSN downfield. <laughs> no, like, I don't I don't think I would take anyone else on I don't think I'd take Joe Mixon over our running backs. Like, given contract and age and all that. No. If you Maybe the right tackle. If you pulled nationally, I think most people would probably pick Mixon over K. K- For K- sure. On name recognition. But I don't think there's, I mean, even beyond my opinions about running backs, I don't think there's a lot separating those two. Yeah. The right tackle is who? Um, Jonah Williams. Jonah, yeah. What about what about Jermaine Pratt? Did you mention him? Well, so you're, you're moving to defense. Nathan oh, I'm was, sorry. Was you're on offense. offense. So, so, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's Chase and Burrow. And then maybe nothing else. Maybes, yeah. Like three maybes. Okay. And so then defense. We said Trey Hendrickson. Maybe DJ Reader? Yeah. Maybe? I think so. Yeah, I'd probably take DJ Reader. I would take both of their ends. I'd take Hubbard, too. Hubbard mm-hmm. has not been good this year, but he good. has been good before. I mean, he's also only well, 27, so I guess he's not that old. Um. I don't know if I would take Hubbard. I mean, I guess he's had some pretty big seasons sack wise, but I don't know. I like I like the young guys we've got in the contract there. Cornerback wise, like I don't think I want a Wouzier over any of the guys that Seahawks have. And by the way, he did not practice today for the Bengals. They're expecting him back, and he w- he did not practice today, so that could be a big deal. I'm sorry, who was that? Chidobia Wouzier, cornerback. Okay. Cam Taylor um, Britt is good, right? What's that? Cam Taylor Britt is good, right? Not not about him. Uh, not a guy that you'd take as a starter, but I don't know where he plays. But like, I think he can play slot. Like, he'd definitely be a guy I would take over if we're considering like Kobe Bryant a starter or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Kobe Bryant the slot corner? No. I mean, no, they, no. They assume it's Trey so Brown. Yeah. Assume it's Trey Brown. Reek Woolen and Witherspoon. Are your yeah, team. I take Mike Hilton over Trey Brown. Cam Taylor. Really? Yeah, sense. Mike Hilton's really good. He's been cheeks this year. Really? Okay. Well, JSN time. Uh, that's Spe- what I'm hoping for. Speaking of cheeks, you guys should all search up uh, Nick Scott on Twitter and see the video highlights that come up. He's been definitely. Real. Definitely football related highlights. There's definitely yeah. like not a porn star also named Nick Scott that I know on Twitter. So just on X, I should say, actually, that happened to me today. So there's no such thing as porn on, on X. Be a it. it was horrible. Uh, Jermaine Anyways. Pratt. Anybody? Over Bobby. Yeah. Maybe not this year, but like longer term for sure. Logan Wilson's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I don't know Logan Wilson that well. He, he I think just I'd got paid. Yeah, I take either of those guys over Bobby. I don't think I take either over Jordan Brooks right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess my point is the Bengals are you know, we came into the year as like Super Bowl contenders, 
mainly on the backs of of Burrow and Chase. And so that's legitimate. And obviously they've fallen on their face. But it's kind of to, to our point before about, you know, Evan asking, how, how, when's the last time you felt confident about the whole team? And Jeff, you made this comment about the roster and taking a step forward. I think as we kind of go through the rest of the season, it'd be interesting to think about how many of our starters we would take over the other teams that we're playing. And I think in a lot of the games so far, I would, the majority of positions, I would take the Seahawks players over who they've been playing. Um, and it has not been that way. It has definitely not been that way for, for years past. The one game where you wouldn't say that is weirdly enough. I mean, not that weirdly, but is probably the Rams game, which I think just goes to show the dominance of Sean McVay and how good a coach he can be. Wait a second. You're saying that... that Who beat Pete Carroll with a lesser squad. Sean McDaddy. I love him so much. He is, he is no Dolphins head coach, man. That's true. Uh, that guy's that guy's the goat. Um, all right, let's get into predictions. Um, what do you think the score of this game is going to be, Jeff Simmons? Tell us your prediction. Tell us what's going to happen. Uh, I probably came into the show thinking I was going to take the Bengals, but as we sort of gone through this exercise and dug a little more into this matchup, I've got a lot more confident the Seahawks, and I think this is a game where. I think Tyler Lockett, we haven't really seen the big Tyler Lockett downfield plays with these weak safeties, with questions at corner. I think this is the game where you can see some of those splash plays. Tyler Lockett, it could be a JSN game. He's back in Ohio. He got the bye week. Maybe get that confidence back up. Um, I think this is a game we're going to see the passing game step forward. And, yeah, I think the underrated matchup, as Brian said, is if the Seahawks can run the ball, they can really control the pace of this game. And this is a game where you can see that offense kind of go back and forth with them. And, you saw like Arizona go shot for shot with them early. And Arizona's playing with like limited, as limited as skill players you could do. And they had like nine tackles for loss. So I say Seattle comes out, takes some shots from Chase early, but I think they just have the firepower on both sides to outlast them. So I'm gonna go Seattle 31. Uh Cincy 27. Nathan. Uh, I'm of two minds about this game. Um, let's say 34-17 Seahawks. I think they might just... I think the offensive line is bad, and I think Burrow is healthier. But if you can get after him... And I, I mean, I'm not predicting 11 sacks... But they showed enough creativity, and they have they can come at you from enough different places that I think that they'll they'll hassle Burrow, and I think they might just they might they might it might just all click. They might just stomp him. I love that, um, Evan. I think this is Seattle's. Can they flex this game to Sunday Night Football? <laughs> they no? cannot, but they, cannot. they should. I mean, if we have to watch one more Giants, Jets, or Raiders game, I mean... Ugh. But, like, they literally can't by the rules is what I'm being... I'm pretty sure they can't do it at this point. Frick, because I was going to go way more ambitious if it was on Sunday Night Football, honestly. Um, I'm going 28-17 to 17 Seahawks. 
Yeah. It's all pretty comfortable other than just got a pretty close one. Um, I mean, it is worth calling out that even though the Bengals won by two touchdowns against the Cardinals, um, it was a four point game heading into the fourth quarter. Like, uh, with Burrow playing his best game and Chase going for 15 catches and nearly 200 yards. So, I, there is part of me that's like, we are all suckers. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase at home, catching fire against a secondary and a scheme that's never been able to really control short, quick passing games underneath, which is where they're living lately. We're foolish. Like they're going to, they're going to have a big game. But if I really just take the emotion out of it and look at it, Seahawks are Seahawks, I think, are the better team. And I think they have the more I think they there's more of a reason that their matchups are going to work out over the course of this game than the opposite. And so I end up very similar to where Jeff was. Um, I, I'm at like I'll go with 30 to 24 Seahawks in this one. I think the I think the Bengals will put up some points, but I think the Seahawks are going to turn them over. And I think that there's gonna be enough big plays in that defense, and the offense is gonna actually you know, be strong enough that they'll, uh, that they'll come out on top. It has not been a friendly place for people that have been Seahawks fans for a long time. Seahawks have not had particularly fun games in Cincinnati dating all the way back to the playoffs and Boomer Esiason era where they were running, uh, you know, what was it? what they call it back then? It wasn't the run and shoot. That was Atlanta, but they had, they had some other like quick, huddle offense they were going to the line and the Seahawks kept um dropping to the ground it fake injuries so that they could make substitutions um but this is very much dating me if you haven't the the, the this game what's that was the Charlie White was that them or the Browns that Charlie Whitehurst game that was the Browns right that was the Browns that was the Browns and just it. picked up and pile drive the whoever the running back was and yes that that was a crazy cam hit. No, the the Bengals games have been like just heartbreaking. Like, um, what was the guy, the cornerback for them, Adam Pacman Jones, who had a punt return at the end of one of them that killed us. Like, they've had oh, the 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 twenty fifteen streak where they kept blowing like two touchdown fourth quarter yes. leads. One of those was against the Bengals. Yes, right? yes, yes. It's not been a particularly friendly place, hmm. but. Maybe this will be the time to turn around. I think if the Seahawks team goes to four and one with the win here, sky's the limit. Sky is the limit. So, um, all right, folks. Thank you to Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11, Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. Thanks everyone for tuning in. It's been fun having you all. Good to be back talking about a real game. Uh, you can give the show a like if you haven't already. Click subscribe to get notified when we go live, and Go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, join up, be part of the community. You will not regret it. And neither will the charities that benefit from you being part of the community. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Until we see you next for post-game show on Sunday, have a great rest of your week. And Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. 
go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape Morning After articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks. Yeah.